just give me 20 seconds. I got you. I got you. Uh, uh, we have the opportunity as a, uh, as a church family to continue to support uh, 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 the Dick family. And, and if you want to just write a word of blessing for Sophie, I would encourage you during our coffee break to head to the crosses. And you'll see just in the little metal tins there, there's a prayer or a, or a piece of paper and a pen. And you can write that word of blessing or encouragement and leave it there. And our team will compile that for the family. Uh, if you're a guest this morning, welcome. I'm glad that you've decided to join us. There's a little QR code on your seat. And if you have questions about Soul Sanctuary, your first stop is just scanning that QR code and up will pop a menu of all sorts of things that you may want to know about us. Other than that, are we ready for coffee? Are we ready for kids? Kids, come on up. I see you. I see you. You're locked and loaded. Just watch the TV. Come on up. Come on up. My dudes. Welcome. 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 Hey, the Jets won last night. Am I right? Yes! I knew you'd be excited, man. Your shirt says awesome. Uh, you, you, oh, first of all, I got you, man. I don't want, that's, that's cool. Not, you, you don't have to. Yeah, I got you too. All, all right, all right. Kids, we're here. We're here. We have the opportunity to come together to head off to Soul Kids. But before we do that, I just want to pray for you. Sound good? Thank you. You're having your own conversation. That's cool. It's all right. All right, so Father God, I thank you for our kids. And Lord, I just thank you uh, that, that you've created them good. And Lord, that uh, I thank you that we have the opportunity to raise them in your ways. Father, my prayer is that as they go, you would inspire their soul kids leaders by the power of your Holy Spirit as they minister to the needs of our children, raising them in a manner where they will make their faith their own. Father, we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. Kids, you can head off. Nice and walking. And your Soul Kids team is right at the back waving you down, and they will take you. Parents, if you haven't registered your kids yet, you could do that at the check-in table that's in the atrium. It says Soul Kids, and our team would love to take care of you. For the rest of us, it is coffee time. We got seven minutes on the clock, an opportunity to grab a cup of coffee or tea out in the atrium. Uh, my encouragement to you is to please leave your masks on unless you're uh, uh, taking a sip of your coffee or tea. But our team is ready to serve you, so go get it. We'll see you back here in seven minutes or when you hear the lovely voice of Adele.
Thank you, team. This morning, I have the opportunity to announce a, uh, another guest who will be preaching today outside of our First Peter series. Uh, but just to bring you all up to speed, our team, our academic team that has been off in Ukraine for the last uh, two weeks now is set and prepared to come back home. 
they, uh, they got all their COVID tests back negative and are on their way shortly. And so this morning they had a church in Ukraine in one of the churches that our community sponsored in a town called Rivna or a city called Rivna. And they were able to have church in this city, in the, in the church that in, in 2019, Soul Sanctuary paid and funded to get off the ground. And so the team preached there and did a leadership conference over the course of this weekend and are on their way home very shortly. So uh, I have the pleasure and the honor of introducing uh, this morning Pastor Brent Cantillon. Pastor Brent uh, is, uh, uh, has been a, in Christian ministry, I'm going to say, over 30 years Oh, he said over 40. Whoo, over 40 years, and then the lead pastor, or was the lead pastor at, at CLA Church Christian Life Assembly in Langley, British Columbia, for I believe about 25 of those years. And to this morning, uh, he is here, and he is actually the president of ARC Canada. ARC is the Association of Related Churches. It's a, it's a network of churches uh, across, uh, from sea to sea here in Canada, who help sponsor, fund, train, and launch church plants. Uh, across the nation. There's a number of, of ARC church plants that have recently started here in Winnipeg, including our friends over at Rose Church and I believe Amber Trails Church as well. New churches that are getting off the ground because of the, the work of ARC Canada. And so Pastor Brent, president of ARC Canada, come on up. Let's give him a warm welcome. Good morning, everybody. Come on. Good morning, everybody. I used to live in Winnipeg, and I know that you are the friendliest people in Canada. So uh, we lived here on, on two occasions. Pastor, uh, I keep wanting to say Jerry. I'm so sorry. But uh, Pastor Jordan and I were driving around, and I said, oh, that's Gordon Bell High School. I went there for grade 7. Oh, that, this is Laura Secord over here. I went there for grade 6. And so we have that history when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, I remember my feet freezing on the outdoor rinks and crying and ashamed of crying as they thawed out. Uh, then I was uh, a pastor at Calvary Temple for a few years, and uh, so it's just great. That's where we got to know the Machalski family, and so we feel like we're among friends, and we love Soul Sanctuary and what God is doing here, and so it's a, a privilege. Pastor Jerry called me told me that he was going to be away with our friends, the Prashagas, and uh, asked if I would help today. So uh, if we're meeting for the first time, it's very nice to meet you today. And uh, I want you to know that I'm personally responsible for the snow stopping. Uh, I was standing in my hotel praying hard last night. Oh, God, stop the snow. And uh, so glad that you were able, able to make it. Uh, it's always challenging. I've been here, I think, two times before, so some of us will have met before. Many of us we will never have met, and it's always a challenge when a guest comes in to cross over and can we be friends, can we trust each other, uh, and so I, I hope that we can, can do that. I have something that I believe will help you today, uh, will encourage you if you can apply it, and uh, from, from God's word. It's something that I'm endeavoring to live myself. And uh, so I want to share that with you. Before I do that, um, when I was here last, uh, I had this book with me that I wrote a few years ago. Specifically, this book is called Revive Me According to Your Word. And it's to help you with the process 
of your Bible reading. I believe this is one of the most fundamental issues in the Christian church today, that people have set aside their Bible and are gaining information from all kinds of other sources that are not reliable. And so the scripture says, you don't need that anyone should teach you, but the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance, Jesus said, everything that I have taught you. And when you read God's word, the Holy Spirit brings the Bible alive to you. Uh, I had a personal transformation in my life after I'd been in ministry a number of years, connected with just my own reading of the scripture. And so everywhere I go, since uh, I, I uh, left pastoring in 2014 and I've been traveling ever since, I've been in over 80 different Canadian churches in that time. And everywhere I go, I meet someone and they say, you know, I was just thinking I need to get back into Bible reading. And so this is a guide to help you. I'll help you walk through different passages. The goal of this book is that you would stay inspired. A lot of people, when they read the Bible, they start, as one young man said, in Guinnesses, and they just work through it like, you know, like it's a novel. Uh, I've had people talk to me about their Bible reading. One guy was discouraged. You know, he says, I started out, it was so good. And, you know, then I got into that Leviticus. I thought it was a sickness. I didn't know what it was. And they're dividing birds. And I, I was so discouraged. But once I got the palms, then everything felt better, you know. So, um, so I give you a Bible guide. If you follow it, you'll make your way through the whole of the Scripture in a year. But the point is not to succeed or fail. The point is to consistently have the living Word of God speak to your heart. I make a few comments on each passage. So if you are someone saying, you know, I want to read more of the Scripture. I don't know where to start. Uh, and uh, I'd love to help you with that. And it will be a blessing to you. 2020 allowed me a little bit of extra time. <laughs> And uh, so I was able to complete this book. Uh, it was released in February. It's called Renew Me by Your Spirit. And this book is to help you with your spiritual vitality. Uh, the premise is that our natural tendency is to drift away from a place of passion, of intimacy with God, of a sense of nearness to the presence of the Lord. And so I've written this book uh, based on a number of messages and teachings through the years to help you with your spiritual renewal. It says our spiritual lives often need a fresh start, an awakening. We tend to cool off or to wander away, and most of the time it's not for the better. So if you'd like to draw nearer to God, maybe you feel like you're blocked. You've gotten to a certain point and you can't get past that point. I'd love to help you with that. And the second half of the book is all about how to have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. So both of those are available. I didn't bring too many copies. They're $20 each. I have to say that they're $20 because I've had it happen when I didn't say that. People just pick up the books and walk out. It's like, oh, got a free gift at church today. So anyways, uh, uh, they're two for $40 or $20 each. That was a joke. Okay. Um, I'd love to meet you. I'll be at the table at the back, and uh, I'd love to write a, a greeting in your book if you'd like that. So uh, I hope you'll see me there. We are living in strange times. 
I don't need to explain it to you. People have always complained about things. But this is one of the first times in my lifetime that everybody's complaining about the same thing at the same time. It's a powerful force of negativity going on in our world. I, I said earlier, if, if you can endeavor to apply what I share today, it's going to make a difference in your life. When I was in grade eight, after we moved from Winnipeg, I was in Kingston, Ontario. When I was in grade eight, I was going by a bicycle store one day, and I saw this bike in the window, and I wanted that bike. It was a CCM bike. Now they make hockey equipment. Uh, the name CCM, I looked it up, I Googled it. It meant Canadian Cycle and Motor Company and I wanted one of their cycles. It was orange. It had a stick shift on the crossbar. Are you seeing it in your mind? It was a powerful bike. I think it was a five-speed. You know, speeds were new. You all know that I'm old, so it was a big deal then. And so in those days, they had something called a layaway plan. Anybody know what a layaway plan is? Yeah, not many. <laughs> Well, in a layaway was before credit, right, where you would go in and I'd put my allowance, $10, and they'd keep the bike with a tag on it in my name, and I, I had to pay the whole thing before they'd give me the bike. So I saved my money. Every day I'd go and I'd stand. Can you just see this pathetic red-headed kid standing on the street looking at this bicycle thinking that's going to be mine? It's going to be so fast, and I'm going to be so cool. I was 13. The girls are going to love me. You know, boys, that's all we think about. What can I do to make girls love me? And we're, like, just dumb enough to think that a bike is going to do it. So anyways, uh, and I'm dreaming about, I'm lying in bed at night, thinking about this bike, saving every penny I can. Finally, the day comes, and I go in, and I make my last payment on the layaway plan, and I walk out of the store with my CCM orange bike with the stick shift on the crossbar, and I drive it home, and I was so fast, and I know there were girls who thought I was hot. <laughs> I showed my parents, and then I thought, I've got I've to take this to the park. And there were a few little hills, and some guys had made kind of a little jump, and, and uh, this was a big bike. It wasn't, you know, like a jumpy bike. But I was going to jump. So first day of owning my brand new bike, I go to the park. <laughs> and I'm ripping around. And I do a jump, and I come down wrong, and I bent the front forks. First day. And so from that day on, as I'm riding home, the front forks are off. So the, it's kind of like, you know, sideways, and the front wheel is kind of wobbling. And it was like, it was, it was over. And I want you to know... I can't remember, I have no recollection of ever having a good time riding that bike. I have no recollection of enjoying that bike. All I recall is the anticipation, the lead up to the moment where I wanted it so bad, I didn't have it, and then I got it, and bam, it was over. I can't remember anything about it, but I remember the whole lead up. I want to talk about the power of gratitude to God. 
The power of being grateful and aware and recounting and living in a place of gratitude and thankfulness to God. In this life, there are things that we can't control. We can't control the snow. I took credit for it, but I, I, you know, I don't think so. We can't control a pandemic. You, you can't choose whether it happens or not. We can't control. There's so many things we can't control. But there are some things that we can control. Our attitude, the condition of our heart, our perspective, the lens that we look at things through. So let me give you a couple of Bible examples to start, or one in particular, of ingratitude. Pastor Jordan read it earlier in the service. Let me briefly read it for you once again. Ingratitude. Because to understand something, we can contrast it. It helps us to know what it means. Numbers 11.4. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel wept together. Oh, you didn't read this one. You read a different You read Deuteronomy. This is a different one. Sorry about that. The children of Israel wept and said, Who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. I always think when I read that that the breath of the Israelites must have been terrible. Don't you think? All the leeks and onions and garlic. But now, listen to this. Now, we remember all that wonderful stuff in Egypt. Isn't that incredible? They don't mention the slavery, the beatings, the bricks. They, they don't just uh, remember the fish, and the onions. Oh, it's so good, right? And then they say, now our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. If you know the story, the children of Israel were a few million people in a desert going from Egypt to the promised land. They had no means of gathering food. They were migrating. There was, there was nothing. And so God said, I'm going to give you a miracle every day of food provision. It's going to be called manna. Every morning you go out, you gather it up. It's uh, it's provision for every day. It was like a, a little disc, like a wafer. It tasted like honey. And so every day of the 40 years that the children of Israel were traveling in the desert, God performed a miracle every single day. And these guys, all they were able to do was think about the fish, the onions, and all we have before us is this manna. It was a miracle every single day. And it was nutritious enough to sustain them every day. It was a miracle. But they were unhappy. The secret of living in every situation. This is what the Bible says. What is the secret of living in every situation? Philippians 4. The Apostle Paul says, Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned... How to be content with whatever I have. I, ha I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Here's, listen to what he says. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. The New King James Version says it this way. I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. The secret of living, the apostle says, 
is learning to be content. So what steals our gratitude? What steals our joy? Colossians connects peace with joy, peace with thankfulness. Look at Colossians 3. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. I want to connect peace and thankfulness today. This says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I want to ask you, is there peace ruling in your heart today? Philippians 4 goes on and says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here it is again. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, look what peace does, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace directly affects our thankfulness or our gratitude. If peace is ruling in our hearts, not fear, not worry, not anxiety, your heart will be guarded and your mind will be guarded. These scriptures say to give your requests to God. And here's the key to perspective of peace is we have to give it to God. Peace comes when we are at peace with God. And it might be that someone here today or someone online being honest would say, you know, Pastor Brett, I, I honestly don't know that I have peace with God. And before I close today, I'll give you an opportunity to pray and to invite Christ to bring peace to your heart. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. These are really popular verses. A lot of people know them who've been around a Christian for a while. It says, in everything give thanks. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. These verses are not presented as, as, as options. They're not saying, you know, if you would like to, give thanks. You know, if you, if you feel comfortable, be grateful. It's actually a command saying, this is what you must do. You must give thanks. You must offer gratitude to God. And it comes from a relationship with the Lord, who God is, a God who is bigger and a God who is wiser, a God who is perfect justice, who is love, a God who is faithful, who has a plan, who never fails. As Hebrews says, the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts and then be thankful. It's almost mathematical. When we don't have peace, we're probably not thankful. And when we don't have our perspective on God, we probably don't have peace. And so then our perspective is not the way God intended it to be for our welfare, for your good. So let me give you two thieves, thieves, thieves of joy, two thieves of thankfulness, of gratitude. The first thief is comparison. Theodore Roosevelt, who was president of the United States, said in 1901, comparison is the thief of joy. The first thief of joy, the first thief of thankfulness, of gratitude, is comparison. Let me give you some characteristics of comparison. This comes from Pastor Chris Hodges, 
has a book called Out of the Cave of Depression. He says that comparison is one of the single most greatest causes of depression. He gives some characteristics of comparison. Comparison is when we compare our weaknesses to other people's strengths. We know what our worst is. We do not know theirs. They also have weaknesses. But comparison cares my worst, compares my worst to their best. Comparison, we focus on our flaws or our shortcomings rather than on our strengths. When we are trapped in comparison, we have self-criticism and condemnation. We have self-talk that sounds like this. I should do more. I should stop these bad habits. I should have stronger faith. I shouldn't doubt. I shouldn't worry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't. Thirdly, comparison causes us to label ourselves based on our mistakes and struggles and weaknesses. We begin to formulate an identity or a label based on our failures, not based on the things we do right. That's just the sinful nature of comparison. We take a word that might describe a behavior or a mistake, and we, we make it an identity. I, I, I meet with a, a young professional woman in a coaching relationship, and she has said these things about herself, and she says it often. I've stopped her now. I won't <laughs> I say, you, you can't say that. Not with me, anyway. She would say things like, oh, I'm just a scatterbrain. Another time she said, oh, I never, I, I never complete anything. That's what comparison does. It causes you to label yourself based on your weaknesses. Number four, comparison, we assume that other people have better lives than we do. We assume that. Comparison, you look at social media, this is a big part of it, Instagram, people only present the best side of themselves, not, not 100%. There are some people, and I don't quite get this, if you've done this, please forgive me, but I don't quite get people who are really sick in the hospital posting pictures of themselves. Maybe it's, you know, to, to gain support and prayer and sympathy, but I mean, you're not having a good day. And, and so I've, I've just told my family, when I'm sick and dying in the hospital, no posts. You know, post when I was 18 and had hair. When we see this, the surface of people, we don't see what the real situation is. But comparison, we think everybody has a better life than us. I just found out, I know some of you guys are just going to write me off at this point. But my wife said to me the other day, I was looking at a picture of, I don't know, we were sitting together and this picture came up. I said, look at this person. They are so beautiful. And she said, well, you know they've got a filter on that picture. And I said, a filter? And uh, it was a new concept to me. Apparently, I haven't learned how to do it yet, but I'm going to start. Uh, there's technology that makes you look better than you actually look. Amazing. The only problem is <laughs> real life doesn't let you have a filter, you know, unless you meet people and say, this is what I want to look like, you know. But we assume they have a better life. You see somebody in a, you know, fancy car, you assume they have a better life. You just do. That's what we do. That's what comparison does. And the result is we put ourselves down. We diminish ourselves. Maybe you have a few close friends and you know what their life is really like, but the majority of the people that we interact with, and especially on social media, we assume the best, but we really have no idea. There are people, especially during COVID, who have spent 
hours and hours and hours and days and days and days comparing themselves to others. Having FOMO, feeling like I'm missing out on something, I'm not this. Can I just say, just evaluate how you feel after you've been online for a couple of hours. You feel better? Feel encouraged? You feel built up? Do you feel like singing after you've looked at somebody else's awesome life for a while? Just evaluate it. Let me ask, what is your screen time versus your Bible time? How does it compare? The first thief of gratitude is comparison. The second thief of gratitude is envy. And this goes further than comparison. Listen to what the Bible says about envy. A sound heart, Proverbs 14, is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. Not talking about your physical bones, it's talking about your inner structure. Envy rots your inner structure, yourself. Envy is a serious thing. Listen to what it says in James. Where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. We always need to look at the fruit. The scripture here says that the fruit of having an envious heart is that there will be confusion and evil things that accompany it. As I was studying for this, the dictionary says that envy is resentment or a lack of contentment when we feel someone else has something, not just comparison. Someone else has an opportunity, a possession, a quality. We want it, we don't have it, and so we resent them. That's envy. Where we think, you don't deserve it, you don't, you know, I should have this. I have a a friend, uh, he's a good acquaintance, I couldn't really call him a good friend, and he has a, a really big yacht, and uh, like a 150-foot yacht. It's amazing. It's just, you know, he's full-time chef on board, and captain, and crew, and servers, and you know, and I've been on the boat a few times. One time it was a really nice day. <laughs> now, I'm going to confess this, okay? I'm going to share it openly with you. And I, I, want, I, I don't want judgment. I want affirmation and, I, you know, encouragement, but I'm going to be... And I went out on the back deck, and one of the servers brought me some hors d'oeuvres. You know, I think it was bacon-wrapped scallops. And I had a, you know, a soda water in my hand, and yeah, I was looking good, I'm telling you right now. And uh, as I'm standing on the back of this 150-foot yacht, you know, a little car topper went by with a guy, you know, like four horsepower, Evan Rude, and he looks up at me, and I'm kind of like, and I just thought, you know, he's thinking, nice boat, and I'm going to let him think that. I, I, I think I actually kind of belong here. I, I, I fit, uh, you know, I fit it, and uh, I wasn't about to go, yeah, it's not mine. No, I just, I just uh, guessed, you know, he probably did know that. But I had to, at some point, think, you know, this is really nice, and I've got to be just so happy for my friend who's willing to share it. Envy would have been resentment because he had something I didn't have. I wanted it, and there was an anger or a judgment or resentment. Envy, the Bible says, is a sin. And as I was studying for this, I came across a verse I had never seen before, or noticed. It's in Mark chapter 15, verse 9. 
Pilate says this, Would you like me to release to you this king of the Jews? For he realized by now that the leading priests had arrested Jesus, here it is, out of envy. Have you ever noticed that the primary motivation of the chief priests to send Christ to be crucified was envy? You see what the scripture says, confusion, and every evil thing accompanies it. If there's envy in our heart, it's going to rob us of our joy, rob us of our gratitude. It's going to take away the very thing that Jesus says, the scripture says, will bring peace to your soul. Envy will bring rottenness to your bones and confusion and every evil thing. So there are two things that I'm going to highlight today that bring a thieving robbery of our joy, of our gratitude, of our thankfulness. They are comparisons and envy. Now let me come to the application today. I want to encourage you. I want to ask you. I, I, I want to implore you to consider the practice and the attitude of living with gratitude to God in your heart to remember the goodness of the Lord. Deuteronomy, this is the passage that Pastor uh, read earlier. Be careful. Deuteronomy 8, 11. Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands. Because when you've become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in and your businesses have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you. And then he goes through and says, here's all the things that God has done for you. He rescued you from slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness. He fed yourself. He fed you when you had no food. He gave you water when there was no water. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved all this by my own strength and energy. Verse 18, remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful. The New King James says it this way. It is he who gives you power to get wealth. Remember over and over and over throughout the scripture, God says, remember what I've done for you. Remember where you've come from. Remember where I brought you. Don't forget don't say, I've done this myself. It's me, it's mine, it's I. Psalm 79, verse 13 says, So we, your people, and the sheep of your pasture, will give you thanks forever. We will show forth your praise to all generations. I want to ask you, Soul Sanctuary, to be grateful and thankful to God today not just grateful and thankful as an emotion or a feeling but grateful and thankful to God and I'm promising you from the scriptures that if you will develop an attitude of gratitude of faithfulness in praise and thanksgiving to God it's going to shift the peace in your heart it's going to make a difference so the first thing is to remember the Lord He's the one who gives you the power to get wealth. The second thing is identify the thieves of your joy, which are comparison and envy, and take control of those thieves. Don't let them in. 
Don't allow them to have a place. Third, the secret of living in every situation is to learn to be content. It doesn't mean having no ambition or drive. It doesn't mean you can't be an entrepreneur. It just means that you're not living like I lived as a boy for that bicycle. I'm living for that moment. I'm living for the moment. I'm living for the moment. I get to the moment. The moment wasn't what I thought it was. We can be content, be ambitious, be mission-minded, be full of faith, but still be content in who we are, where we are in God. And Paul says it's the secret of living in every understanding. Another verse says, and you will have peace beyond understanding. I met with a successful businessman this week. We were having coffee. And he is burdened right now. Burdened by what's happening around him, burdened by decisions he's facing. A lot of it's relating to, to the pandemic. and He's had a, a really tough time. He's in the service industry, hospitality business. It's been one of the hardest hits during COVID. And so as we were talking, he just started, you know, I said, well, well what's happening that's good? So he just started telling me what was good. And after a few minutes, he said, boy, I guess, I guess really there's quite a lot that's good that's happening here. He, he really wasn't even aware of it. He was so focused on the things that weren't good and so burdened, so heavy. He didn't have peace in his heart because he'd lost sight of all of the goodness of what God was doing. And fourth, let the peace of God rule and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. I know there's got to be someone here today and the peace of God has not been ruling in your heart. There's anxiety, there's stress, maybe there's anger, frustration. Maybe there's just fear that has gripped your life. To be grateful means that we're grateful for what is, not what isn't. To be grateful means you're grateful for what you have, not what you don't have. To be grateful to God for who you are, not who you are not. So let me ask you, I want you to think, how has God been good to you? Think about how has God been good to you? Has he loved you? Has he forgiven you? Has he given you a purpose to live on this earth? Has he promised you heaven? What are your blessings? Do you have any? <laughs> I want to ask you to take some time every day and just begin the practice of naming everything that you are grateful to God for. To control the atmosphere of your life with worship instead of bombarding your mind and your spirit with things that take you down. Take charge of what you control. So what are you grateful for today? Because we can't go around and hear from everybody. Let me tell you a few things I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for Jesus. That God loved me and loved you enough for Jesus to come, to die on the cross for my sins. That he's forgiven and restored my life. 
I'm thankful for his love, his understanding that when I'm tempted, he, he was tempted like we are tempted, yet without sin, but he is moved with compassion by the feelings of our infirmities. I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful to have a worldview based on a creator who made the universe, a worldview that has hope in it, a worldview that believes in perfect justice, in a creator who does what is right, even beyond what I can understand. I'm thankful for a worldview and a scripture that says in the end we win, evil will be defeated. And Christ will be glorified and wrongs will be righted and injustice will be brought to justice. I'm thankful for a worldview that gives me hope. I'm grateful today for my people. I have a lot of people. I'm grateful for my wife, Karina. She's not here. She's back in Langley. She's praying for us. I'm, I'm grateful for her. We've been married now uh, 40 years. This month, 40 years. Oh, no, last month. She's the love of my life. She's the bride of my youth. She's my first and only wife. <laughs> and then we have four kids together. They're my people. And each of those four kids married four other kids. Now I've got two extra sons and two extra daughters. They're my people. I'm thankful for them. I'm grateful to God. And then those four couples have given us some grandkids. I want to I tell you who they are. This will mean nothing to you. Other than I hope you're impressed, I can at least remember their names. I don't know when they were born. I have age ranges. They range from 1 to 14. That's about all I know. Don't know when it happened or how. But these are my people. I'm thankful for Lyndon and Jackson and Lucy and Mira, and for Hudson and Mary and Millie. I'm thankful for Raylan and Asher and Silas and Cordelia and Jacoby and Rocco. They're my people. I'm so thankful for them. I'm so grateful to God. And Jacoby. One of our grandsons is, is on the autism spectrum. He's got some special needs. We love him. We're thankful for what he brings to our family. I just wonder if you're grateful today for what you have, not what you don't have. I'm grateful for this church family, this community that exists to give you a place to belong and to find your purpose and serve together on a mission that makes a difference in people's lives. I'm thankful that all across the nation there are places like this that today are gathering to lift praises to God and to say, no, we won't stand down when evil tries to advance in our world. We will stand strong in Jesus' name and we will proclaim that there is a God who loves and cares and forgives. I'm so grateful for the body of Christ. I'm grateful to have health and strength. I'm grateful. I mean, I could just keep going. I drive a 2007 red Ford Fusion. I'm thankful for that silly car. It goes good. It got me to the airport. And as a matter of fact, the brother gave it to me one day because he felt the Lord spoke to him. So I'm really thankful for that car. My car is usually the oldest one in the parking lot, and I'm usually the oldest guy in the room these days. 
But I'm thankful that I get to be the oldest guy. You know, if you start to give that, I'm thankful my wife is a wonderful cook. I'm thankful for all the blessings. I'm thankful for the chance I had to sit with Jordan and Lauren last night and hear their stories. I'm thankful that a baby's coming. I hope I'm not announced. Did they know that? No. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Oh, see, I do that. I did that with one of my own kids. Nobody knew. I was the only one that knew. And it's Sunday at church, and I go, hey, great news. Rachel and Jason are having a baby. And they're going, dad, no, no. You know, so anyways. Oh, so sorry. I'll send a fruit basket. I'll do something. I mean, you know. But I, here's what happened. I just get happy about stuff, right? And I go, yeah, I'm so happy. I'm happy for Jerry and Sharon, my friends. I love them. I'm grateful for so many things. <laughs> oh, is that the guy that announces other people's pregnancies? Oh, wow. So what are your blessings? What are you grateful for? And has it been at the top of what you put your mind and your energy to these days? Is it where you go first in the morning? I'm grateful for my country. I'm grateful for Canada. I love this land. I was born here. It's all I know. I don't like everything about my country. I think there's a lot of things that ought to change. But I'm grateful for this land. In spite of everything, I'm grateful for the freedom we have to be here today. I'm grateful for the chance to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for my country. I hope you're grateful to live in a city like this. There were ambulances going by my hotel last night. I hope you're thankful to live in a place where there are emergency services who will look after are you grateful for that are you grateful that you have roads that they can get to you there's so many things once you start down this road if you will you'll find that your cup is actually pretty full this morning as i was reviewing this i had an old old song come to my mind i don't even know if i've i can't even remember when i would i would have been a child at a camp meeting or something and it was called Count Your Blessings. Does anybody know that song? A few, few old-timers here. And it was amazing. I was in my room, and I could, I could remember all the words. So I'm, I'm not going to sing it for you, but it said, When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. It's old language, hey? Do not be discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Your pastor, your team here are great teachers. They're solid theologians. They're trustworthy expositors of the word of God. I came here today to give you a simple idea to accompany sound theology that says if you will live this way, it's going to make a difference. It will change your perspective, and it will put your eyes off of all that's happening down here 
and put them back on the God who does not change, who is faithful. Let me just ask a couple of questions. Is there anybody in the room, and you'd be willing to put your hand up and say, God has proven himself to be faithful to me. Has anybody found God to be faithful? Is there anybody? There's a whole bunch of people. Yeah, he's faithful. The goodness of God, the mercy of God. So today, remember that we are commanded to be thankful. We are not to forget. We are to remember that there are thieves, comparison and envy that will try and steal your joy, and it has to become a practice a discipline to be grateful because our flesh and the world will try to drag you into ingratitude and negativity and doubt and fear, all those things that are crushing so many people. But you don't have to be like that because you have a God who is the same and is faithful. I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to end this morning. We're going to go back into the chorus of the song Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Light in the Darkness. That's who you are. And we're going to put our eyes toward heaven. But before we sing that together, I wanted to ask in the room here and online if there was someone and you'd say, Pastor Brent, today I don't have that peace that you talked about. In fact, I don't even know that I have a relationship with God that I could call a personal relationship. I've heard about God. I, I know that he's there. You might say, I even believe in God, but I don't know what a relationship looks like. Can I just tell you that one of the things that is a value here at Seoul is that in our journey with God, we need to take the next step. There's always a next step. The family that dedicated their baby today, that was a next step for them. For some of you, your next step is to pray a simple prayer with me. I'll help you with it. And what that prayer is going to say is, God, I'm willing to trust you with my life. I'm willing to choose to believe in you. I'm willing to take the next step of crossing that threshold from knowing about you to knowing you in a personal way. I know that in a room like this, there's someone and you're struggling with your standing with God. Am I right with God? Am I not right with God? Am I forgiven? Am I not forgiven? Am I going to heaven? Am I not going to heaven? And there's somebody online and you're watching and you have that same struggle. You're saying, I want to have a relationship with God. I need God in my life. I don't know how to do it. So here's a next step for you. I'm going to lead in a little prayer. And if you'd like to take that next step and you're saying, I want peace with God. I know that I've done things that are against God. I've broken his ways, and I want forgiveness for that. If you're saying, I want to know that I'm right with God, and that if, if something happened to me, I'd go to heaven, that assurance, then a prayer like this is a first step of faith. It's not the only step, not the last step, but it's a first step. And it takes humility. It takes faith. And it takes honesty. Say, yeah, that's me. So I'm going to ask everyone if you'd close your eyes. 
and in lo- uh, online on the feed, if you'd close your eyes. And today, if you're saying, Pastor, I want to have that peace with God. I don't have it. If you're saying, I'm willing to take a first step and pray that prayer, that I'm going to invite you to pray with me. I'll help you with the words, but you pray it from your heart, okay? And God will hear you. If you're that person, maybe it's your first time at Seoul, and you didn't really expect to be making a decision about God, and yet it's real in your heart. You feel the Lord's presence drawing you. Maybe you've been coming for a while and you've never made a decision. You've been investigating. Fantastic. But today's your day. So whatever your circumstance is, if you want to take that next step in your spiritual journey, I'm going to lead in a prayer and you can pray with me. Just pray quietly. Just pray under your breath. You don't have to shout. And I'm not going to embarrass you. Pastor Jordan's going to come back and give you a a step that you can take so people can help you in your journey. But for now, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, if you'd like to pray this prayer, just, just say it with me. Are you ready? Here's the prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I ask you to forgive my sins. I invite you to come into my heart. And I say with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I choose to believe in you. I choose to trust you, God. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand, everybody? Everyone who prayed that prayer, the pastor's going to give you instructions about what you can do next. But before we close this morning, I wanted to invite you to join with me just to give an offering of gratitude to God through this song. As we sing it, I want you to be thinking about what you're grateful for, thinking about what you're thankful to God for. And as we sing about him being our way maker, even when we don't see it, he's working. All these words, I want you to be thinking of what you're grateful to God for. And I believe it's going to turn some things in some hearts today from being fearful and negative to being full of faith and hopeful that there's a future that God's got control of and it's good for you. So can we sing this together? Let's join with the band and lift our hearts in thankfulness to God. Thank you, God.
Pastor Brent this morning, then here is my encouragement to you. We are a church community, a church family. One of our family values is that you can't do life alone. It's a belief that we hold. And as a church family, we come alongside one another and we take next steps with each other in our Christian walk of discipleship, in, our, in, in the growing maturation of our faith. Our, our pastors are, are here to serve as your guide. Your small group leaders are here to serve as your guide. So here's what I ask of you. If that was you and you prayed that prayer this morning, just simply reach out. Scan that QR code on the back. Send a DM on Instagram. Just get in touch. There's a million different ways to do it. But what it does is it opens up relationship. It allows us to walk alongside of you as we seek to minister to you the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we go, we go with a blessing. In times of old, the one giving a blessing would extend hands. Those receiving a blessing would do likewise. And if you'd like a blessing this morning, I'd encourage you to extend your hands. Soul Sanctuary, as you go, may you go in gratitude. May you go giving thanks and singing praises to God, our provider. May you go in the confidence of your salvation, laboring towards his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as you go, go remembering that the Lord your God is your sustainer. So be generous with your heart turned toward the hurting and allow the peace of God to rule in your lives. As you go, go giving thanks. Go in peace. And we'll see you next week.